The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by the Golf Gambling Podcast TaylorMade Stealth 2-Drive Giveaway. Head over to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash driver to enter today before the big drawing on April 8th. And we're also brought to you by Baseball Money is Fake, our fantasy baseball podcast. Join Blake and Ryan three times a week and get all of the player breakdowns and statistical data you need to dominate. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast. And it is currently early Saturday morning at roughly 2 a.m. Eastern time on April 8th. And I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. And it should be a fun one because we have a couple of semifinal matches to go through in Marrakech as well as Estoril. And we do have some matches going on in Houston, maybe. Uh, I'll talk about Houston in a second. I'm not sure if I'm even going to talk about those matches because based on how bad the weather's been over the last couple of days, the tournament just feels like a Ponzi scheme. You know, you keep waiting for it to happen and it keeps getting pushed off and you keep getting promised that it's going to happen. But I gave out a play on my YouTube uh, series a couple days ago. I gave out green, right, to win in, to win in straight sets against Bergs. I gave that out like two, three days ago. And they still haven't played the match. They haven't even started the match. So Houston, to be honest, with so many semifinal matchups happening, uh, we have four semifinal matchups. And the fact that Houston's still basically in the middle of round two, I think I'm going to stay away from Houston on this episode because I kind of just want to actually wait until actual matches get played. And I'm going to wait and see. Because if I give out a couple of plays in Houston and the matches get delayed again, I'm going to snap. So I'm just going to ignore that tournament for now. Houston, I recognize your existence, but until you actually have completed matches, I will temporarily ignore your existence and put you in the corner for timeout. So Houston, we'll get back to you. Houston, we have a problem and it's rain. I'll talk about them probably on the next episode, and we'll get back into form. But the point is, I'm not going to try to keep predicting matches if they're never going to get played. So I'm just going to wait it out. And as a result, we're only going to cover four matches in this episode. And I do want to recap how we did on the last show. Overall, the outrights are not great, but I'll talk about those in a second. As for the lock and dog, they were okay. Ended up splitting. We had Zapata Marais to win in straight sets at minus 140 as the lock. That ended up winning. I believe Marias didn't drop a single, uh, didn't fault a single time in the match. I think he was a perfect 100% on first serves. So congrats to him on that. As I don't know if it's an achievement or not, but you can argue it's a perfect serving game or perfect serving match. But either way, Zapata Marias did win in straight sets. And for our dog, we ended up having one of the worst picks we've ever given out on this podcast. We took Gomez plus the three and a half games at around even money against Giron in Houston. And to be honest, I wish that match got rained out because Gomez got absolutely destroyed. In fact, he lost the first 11 games of the match. He trailed uh, 0-6-0-5-30-40. So he was down match point, not having won a game. And for pride, he ended up winning that service game. And then he broke Giron for some reason. And he lost the match 6-0-6-2. So we almost got double bageled on our dog pick, which it's that's going to be pretty tough to beat when you give out. A, I know his games it wasn't money line, but still, he won two games the entire damn match. That's probably the worst pick we've ever given out 
on this show. So apologies there. But once again, we did split. So it could be worse. And I'm sure most of you bet more on the lock than the dog. So I'm sure some of you made money from backing the lock and dog picks in the last episode. But for the outrights, this is where things get quite messy. So for Astoral, we ended up losing one of our outrights yesterday, which was guaranteed because we had Rude and Baez to win the tournament. And Rude ended up winning in comfortable fashion. I'll talk about that in a second when I go through his match against Hallis. But Rude, right now, the easy favorite to win the event. So hopefully, knock on wood, Rude gets it done. And we have an outright in our back pocket. And that should be a pretty interesting uh, set of matches there because you have Kechinato and Kikmanovic. And that match is going to take place at 10. And then you have Rude and Hallis. So you have basically two or three I don't want to say Cinderella's because that's a bit disrespectful, but two or three under the radar dark horse candidates to actually make a deep run in this event. And then you have Rude and Rude was the favorite and we took him anyway. So should be a pretty fun set of matches there. But once again, we'll get back into those matches in a second. Uh, talking about Marakic, though, this is where we thought everything might potentially hit the fan. And I warned all of you that it's either going to go really well and we hit some insane outrights or we lose everything. And we ended up losing everything. So to go through the actual outrights that we had, starting off with the favorite to win the event or our favorite choice, we had Jari and he lost in the first round. So that didn't go well at all. That's definitely a bad omen per se. On top of that, though, we had Gasquet to potentially make a deep run. And unfortunately, not only did he lose in the first round to Moore, but Moore's in the semi. So you can argue that Moore potentially took Gasquet's path, but I know you can't really make that argument, but it makes you feel better a little bit. But the point is, those weren't even close. We lost two of the three main shots to win the tournament in the first round. And then we did have our longest shot, which was especially painful yesterday. We had O'Connell. At 66 to 1 to win the event, and we also had him 10 to 1 to win the quarter. He faced off against Kotov yesterday, who had his own Cinderella run, and O'Connell ended up winning the second set after losing the first one. So we were in a decider. And on top of that, O'Connell was up 4 3 with a break, 40 15. So we are roughly five points away from having a 66 to one shot in the semis and for winning a 10 to one outright. And instead O'Connell blew the service game once again, four, three, 40, 15. And then on top of that, he lost in a breaker. So it was a brutal loss there that I don't know how many, I don't know how many units you ended up betting on O'Connell to win the quarter, but that's a double digit unit swing. Uh, give or take, if you ended up betting one unit on it, that's about an 11 unit swing. Very rough being up a break in the third set and it's 40 15. You're basically one point in one service game away from cashing a 10 to one ticket and it goes up in flames. So that was especially rough. Kind of summarizes how the entire tournament went for us so far. But once again, it happens. You knew Marakic was going to be an absolute circus. And once again, to read off the quarterfront, the read off the semifinalists, you have Moore, you have Kotov, you have Baina, and you have Evans. I'm just saying if anybody picked those four uh, semifinalists correctly, that would rival picking all four correct semifinalists in the March Madness tournament we just had in college basketball. That's borderline impossible to pick all of those uh, semifinals to make it. I know it's a shorter field than March Madness, but Kotov with Mueller, I don't think anybody would have had 
And Evan's making a deep run. He's good. He's pretty good on clay, but he was in terrible form entering this event. And Baina, I liked. I was concerned, though, about his first round match against Cressy. I thought his serve would translate well to this court. And Cressy actually did win the first set. The problem was Cressy had an astounding 20 double faults. 20 in one match. And he ended up losing in three. So... Baina and Evans, I guess you can argue they're talented players. You're not totally surprised. Evans, I love as a player, but I am surprised because he was in such bad form for the last couple of months that I thought that he was probably going to lose early, potentially to to, uh, Papyron. But once again, we expected an insane tournament, and it has been. We just picked the wrong type of chaos, but we didn't trust Musetti. We didn't trust Greek Spore entirely, and Jari lost immediately. Those were the three main favorites in the event. So you were expecting to see a lot of unexpected uh, Cinderella runs here. And unfortunately for us, like my March Madness bracket, I went 0 for 4. I don't know how many of you actually got a team right in the final four of your bracket. I went 0 for. I still beat my dad in our head-to-head bracket, so I got bragging rights there. But it was really a disastrous tournament from the outright side. But anyway, time to actually get into the matches taking place on Saturday. Once again, we are going to skip the Houston tournament out of rain protest because I just want to see matches getting played. I'm not going to keep trying to predict matches that were supposed to happen two days ago. When the matches resume and they play their days or they play their matches that they're supposed to play, I'll get back into Houston later. I'll have a separate podcast for the Houston semis and potentially final if that tournament does run long. But then you got Monte Carlo coming up, and there's a lot of really just awful scheduling spots for some players. I am curious if players will withdraw from this event if they are in Monte Carlo. So keep an eye on it. I know that Tommy Paul, I believe, withdrew from Monte Carlo because he's in this Houston tournament. So... Keep an eye on it. You might see a couple of players end up withdrawing just because they want to play in the in the Monte Carlo event instead. But point is, I'm skipping Houston. It's a weather circus. I'm not going to bother. But anyway, going to start off in, chrono- in chronological order with the Marikic matches. So starting off with the 8 a.m. match, Eastern Time, between Baina and Evans. If you want to look at the actual odds here on... This match, Baina is a slight favorite. It's pretty even, though. Baina is minus 120 on the money line. Uh, Evans is plus 100. Over under is 22. There is some juice to the under, so I'm sure you could find 21 and a half out there. But 22 is minus 119. 22 over is going to be minus 101. And if you want three sets, you can get that at plus 140. If you want Baina in straight sets, that's minus 190. And if you want Evans in straight sets, that is, sorry, that's uh, plus 190 for Baina to win in straight sets. And that is plus 220 for Evans to win in straight sets. So starting off with what we usually do, which is the head-to-head breakdown. To look at the head-to-head matches between these two players, that's it. The end. Uh, They've never played before. And if you want to talk about their strength on this particular court, I think it's pretty even. Now, Baina did basically have a bye. He beat Cressy in the first round, like I said before. Then he faced off against Kuzmanov, who played two games and said, I'm out of here. So Baina basically got a bye in the second round, and then he ended up beating Greek Spore in three sets. So he's looked pretty sharp, but a little bit vulnerable because he has dropped the set in each of his two full matches that he's played in this event. Minol Evans has been very comfortable beat Papyron 6-1-6-3, and beat Vavasori 6-3-7-5. I'm not going to overreact to the Vavasori win, because I'm sure nobody actually thought Vavasori would make it that far. 
I'm sure most people on this podcast who listen to it regularly had no idea who the hell Vavasori was. So I'm not totally going to overreact to Evans winning that. Obviously, Bayina's played the better players. Uh, so that definitely is, is going to factor in. I think my main play for this match would be the over, especially two and a half sets. I really do love the plus 140. I think that's a great deal. I can really see a competitive battle. We know Evans loves the slice, which has played very well on this event. We know Baina is a very streaky player mid-match. He can have some very big highs and very low lows, but I do think you'll end up seeing a very, very competitive match, as the odds suggest. And once again, even money in minus 120, you're basically flipping a coin. And with Baina's tendency to go three sets, I think this actually does have a decent chance of going three. Plus 140, I really think, is a little bit too much value. There's a little bit too much meat on the bone for me to pass. I think it should be close to the plus 120 plus 125, but at 140, I'll gladly take that. So that's my main play for this match. If I had to pick an actual side, it's really tricky because Evans really was in bad form, and then he randomly looks great now. I'm going to lean Evans, mostly because I really think this is a coin flip, and if you're going to give me a heads or tails prop at even money, that's just a pretty good deal because it's 50-50. So I'm going to lean to Evans. I think it's going to be a war. I think if you could find Evans in three, or if you like Baina, maybe Baina in three, then you can maybe take a shot there. But I'm going to lean Evans, but I do like the over two and a half sets as my favorite play in that match at plus 140 solely for the value. And moving on to the most random ATP semifinal that we've had in a while. You have Kotov taking on Mueller here. Mueller's a pretty decent favorite here at around minus 170. Kotov is around plus 150 the other way. The spread here is Mueller minus one and a half games at minus 136. Kotov plus one and a half games is plus 116. The over-under in games is around 22 or 22 and a half. 22 and a half, you can get the under at minus 131 and the over at plus 111. And to look at the sets here, you can get Moore to win in straight sets at plus 155. You can get Kotov to win in straight sets at three to one. And you can get over two and a half sets at plus 135. So to look quickly at the head to head, this will be interesting because once again, these guys have never faced each other. So you have two semifinals with no history involved whatsoever, which means you have no idea what the hell is going to happen. But to look at the actual path both players have taken, Kotov has had a fair share of tie breaks and a fair share of long matches in this event. So to go through it, you have Kotov winning in three sets against Pedro Martinez, then in straight sets against Bonzi, did have a tiebreaker there, and then he had a three-set war against O'Connell, which I mentioned before. So he has gone to four tiebreakers in this event so far, so keep an eye on that if you potentially like an over, or if you want to bet on over half a tiebreak. But Moore has been solid. He has only dropped one set, and it was against Musetti, and Musetti was the favorite pre-tournament. Now, we thought it was a ridiculous line because Musetti was playing horribly entering the event, but the point is, Musetti's still a good clay court player, and Moore got the job done. Musetti also just went nuts in the middle of the second set. He had himself some ridiculous red line tennis where he was playing out of his mind, and then Moore weathered the storm, and he settled back down in the third. But Musetti was really just on fire in the second set, so I'm not going to really hold it against Moore for dropping that set there 6-1. But he beat Pizarro 6-4, 6-4, and beat Gasquet 6-4, 6-4. Simply put, I think Moore's the better player, Watching both guys play, Kotov really doesn't have any extremely impressive variables. Moore might not as well, but I think Moore's got a little bit more 
than Kotov does. Kotov seems to be a pretty sturdy player who keeps the ball in play. But for the most part, I just think that Moore has a few more weapons. And I do think that Kotov, who's not used to making deep runs here on the ATP level, I am wondering if nerves might play a factor here. But I am going to lean Moore minus one and a half games at minus 136. If you want to take the over two and a half sets at plus 135, I'm not going to stop you. I think for this match, though, I'd rather take the over in games at plus 111. I'd rather sacrifice the 24 cents and still get plus 111 because, once again, Kotov's gone to four tiebreakers in this event, and he has gone to at least one tiebreaker in each of the three matches so far. So I think you have a decent chance at a tiebreaker. And if that's the case, I'll gladly sacrifice the 20 cents or so for a shot to win the over if it goes to a competitive two sets and you get 7-6-7-5 or 7-6-6-4. If you want to find 22, you can play it safe and maybe find that. But I do like the over 22 and a half games at plus 111. And I will lean to more to get the job done, and I think he'll probably cover the game line. But anyway, going to transition over to Astoral. So to look at the future odds, by the way, I mentioned that Rude should be a pretty hefty favorite to win the event because the rest of the field is Kecinato, uh, Kikmanovic, and Hallis. Rude is now a minus favorite to win the event. He's around minus 160, and he should be because Rude lost his damn mind yesterday. So he was in upset alert early on. Faced off against Zhao Souza in the first round, and he lost the first set. And Souza was on the verge of, to be honest, retiring at this point. I know that he ended up tweeting out something about receiving death threats on Instagram for losing matches and people losing money on him, and they threatened to kill him and his family. So that was a whole separate thing that Zhao Souza was dealing with. Once again, I know it's a gambling show. Be better. I don't. I don't think I have to tell you to not send death threats to athletes that lose your matches. And I'm sure the people that did it, most of it was in Portuguese, which uh, Jao Suza ended up sharing on Instagram or Twitter, one of the two. But the point is, I don't think I have to tell you any of this. It's one thing if you're going to be betting on basketball and you end up betting a player prop and the guy goes under and you mess, you add him on Twitter and you say, how could you only grab five rebounds? You're a scrub. You're six foot eight. What are you doing? I get that's not good either. At least that's not threatening harm on anybody. Sending death threats over a tennis match is such a scumbag move. And to be honest, the person who did it should probably be arrested for it. That's really messed up. In fact, I don't curse that much on the show. I'll curse in the situation. It's fucked up. You shouldn't be able to do that. I don't care what type of job you're in. If you are giving out betting picks or if you're playing a sport or even if you're doing your everyday life, you're in your everyday life. Nobody should ever threaten to kill you over what you're doing for a living. I feel like that's insane to me, but the world's a crazy place. And Zhao, once again, it wasn't just one guy, by the way. It was screenshots of maybe three to four different people, maybe more, just sending death threats to him, which is really messed up. But anyway, to get back to what I was saying, Rude lost the first set. Suze's in his home country. And you think, well, Rude's been terrible so far in 2023, so let's see if Souza can finish it off. He couldn't. Rude just needed a set to get going, and then he woke up, and Rude won the final two sets, 6-2-6-2. And then you figured, all right, Rude versus Baez, main event, Baez, defending champion, Rude, great player on clay, not good form this year, struggled against Zhao Souza. Maybe he's an upset alert. And I'm sure a lot of us thought that there was a chance he might lose, 
And then Rude absolutely took him behind the woodshed. He beat the hell out of him. He won 6-3-6-0. He won the final nine games of the match. I believe Rude was tied 3-3 in the first set, down love 30 while serving, and proceeded to win the next nine games. And it wasn't even like an injury. It wasn't like Baez rolled his ankle and Rude took advantage of an injured player. No, Baez was fine. Rude just absolutely destroyed him, and he looked like the French Open finalist that we remember from last year. But anyway, Rude has been amazing in the last four sets that he's played, and as a result, he's a massive favorite in this event. At this point, a minus 160 with four people left, and he's a massive favorite in this match as he is currently minus 410 or so on the money line. Palace the other way is around plus 330. Rude on the game spread is minus three at around minus 181, which means three and a half is probably like minus 125. But you can get him at three and a half games. Palace plus three is plus 156. You can probably get him uh, at plus three at plus three and a half games at like maybe even money or so. And if you want to look at the actual over under, the over under is 22 and a half. Under 22 and a half is minus 127. Over is plus 107. And Rude to win in straight sets is minus 125. Hallows to win a set is minus 105. And three sets is plus 160 in this match. So starting off with the head-to-head, do we actually have a match where these guys have played against each other? Yes, we do. However, it's completely irrelevant because it was on hard court. And in fact, one was in 2017 and one was in 2018. So toss those right in the garbage. We basically have no head-to-head matchup data to go with. But I'll go through the path of both players. I mentioned Rude, so I already covered him. To go through Hallis's run, it's been impressive. He ended up beating Batista Agut, 7-6-7-5, and then he beat Team, 6-1-6-4, Team had a really good match against Shelton. I believe it was Shelton's second ever match on clay after he was able to beat Les Tien in the first round. But the point is, uh, Team beat up on an inexperienced clay player, and it looked great in that match. And then Hallow showed up and absolutely destroyed Team 6-1-6-4. But then again, we've roasted Team for months, and maybe even a year at this point. And I talk about how Batista Gutz passes prime all the time. So Hallow has been two players who... I don't want to say there has been because it's kind of harsh on Agut because Agut can still somewhat compete at an ATP level. I've said for a while, I think team's a challenger level player at this point, but Hallis has had a pretty easy schedule, but he was able to get by it. I think I got to take root and straight sets. I really want to find some creative way to take this match and I want to make a case for Hallis, but I really can't. He beat the defending champion 6-3-6-0 and won the final nine games of the match. I really can't go against Rude here. Rude is so good on clay when he's on, and it looks like he's on again. It looks like the flip, the switch has been flipped, and it seems like he just needed the change in surface, and now he's back and he's fully comfortable. Maybe he'll get a tiebreaker in there. Maybe it'll be a competitive match. If I had to lean to Hallis in any way, I'd consider the games maybe a three and a half. But I'm going to take Rude here. Straight sets of minus 125 is a great price. I'm going to take it. And then to go through the final match of the episode, going to look at Kekmanovic uh, taking on Kecinato. And that's going to be an interesting match because Kekmanovic is minus 260 on the money line. And uh, Kecinato is plus 220 on the money line. As for the game spread, Kekmanovic is minus 4 at minus 110. Kecinato is plus 4 at minus 110. Over-under is 22 
Uh, the under is minus 129. The over is plus 109. Once in, you could probably find some alt ones, find 21 and a half, or like minus 125 or so. But the three sets in this match is plus 160. Kechinato to win a set is minus 125. Uh, you have Kekmanovic to win in straight sets at minus 105. And Kechinato to win in straight sets is plus 450. So to look at the pathway for both players, or the path for both players, uh, yeah, Kekmanovic has looked nuts. He's looked really, really comfortable. Uh, to go through the matches here, Kekmanovic has won in straight sets all in every step, beat Nardi 6-4, 6-1, beat Reddy, uh, Reddy Onov 6-0-6-1 in a bloodbath, and then beat Zapata Marais 7-5-6-2, and Zapata Marais was off of a win against Herkaz. So he was in good form. Kekmanovic just looked like the better player, and he ended up winning that one in the straight sets. Hasn't dropped a set in this event yet. Meanwhile, you have Kechinato, who beat Diego Schwartzman in the first round. We've roasted Schwartzman for months, so I'm not going to overreact there. Beat Fognini in three. Fognini looked like he was battling an injury in that match because he really wasn't going for any drop shots in the third set. And as a result, Kecinato really just spammed drop shots on almost every point and won a bunch of free points. And then he beat Fakina yesterday, 7-5-7-6. Very good match there, very competitive. But Kecinato did look a little bit sharper as he ended up winning that one in straight sets. But based on the current form of both players... Obviously, I think Kekmanovic has looked like the better player. The problem is, do I think he should be 260? I don't think so. Now, they have played one time head-to-head, and it was recent. They played in Santiago in 2022, and Kekmanovic did win a 7-5-6-1. So he has looked like the better player when they've gone against each other. It's really difficult, though, because Kecinato's form is so inconsistent and he'll be terrible for a couple months like he was earlier this year, and then he'll randomly be in great form, and that's how he made the French Open semis a couple years ago. But the point is, I think Kekmanovic is going to win the match. The problem is, I'm not sure if there's any value on four games. I think Kecinato can really hang around. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he could end up potentially stealing a set here. So I think I'm going to try to steal some value and go with the over Two and a half sets of plus 160. Once again, I'm not picking Kecinato to win. I've been really impressed by Kekmanovic uh, in this match, in this uh, overall event. So I think I'm going to stay away from the actual money line on Kecinato. But if he won the first set, I would not be surprised. So I'm going to lean to the over two and a half sets. But I do think Kekmanovic is going to win the match. I just think it might go three. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up for the four matches. Once again, for the Houston breakdown, I'm skipping it. I'll be back later in the week for the semis in that tournament. But the point is, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the main matches taking place on a Saturday morning. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show. But before we get into that, kind of a quick word from our sponsors. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a great place to get down on fantasy and player props all year long. Underdog Fantasy has your favorite NBA, NHL, and MLB daily games. Plus, they're already doing best ball drafts for the 2023 NFL season. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the Golf Gambling Podcast and their tailor-made driver contest. The contest is completely free to enter, and you have a chance to win an awesome tailor-made driver. The drawing will take place on April 8th, so make sure you get in by going to sportscampodcast.com slash driver, the sportscampodcast.com slash driver. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through the semi-matches in Estoril and in Marikic. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks. So starting off with the lock, we're going to go back to that rude match against Hallis. And even though I do like Hallis as a player, I got to back rude. I'm going to take him to win in straight sets at minus 125. He looked so damn good yesterday. I can't really overstate how good he looked. And he's minus 160 to win the event. We gave him out to win the event because we know his upside is significantly higher than anybody else in the field on clay in this particular event. And he put it all together yesterday. So I think that we were waiting for that rude moment where he was struggling in 2023 and we were hoping he would finally click. And it seems like after that first set against Souza, also there was a actual surface change from hard court to clay. So some players take some time to actually readjust. But once again, he's won the final four sets. He's won comfortably, and he's bageled the defending champion in the second set with no injury assistance yesterday. I think Rude's going to destroy him. I think you can make an argument maybe Hallis wins a set once again, but I do think you're looking probably at some type of 6-4, 6-4 match, 6-4, 6-3. I said before, if I was leading to Hallis, I'd maybe consider the games. But once again, I'm not leading to Hallis, so that's kind of a moot point. I just think Rude's going to win. I think he'll win comfortably, and I think minus 125 is a good deal. So for the lock, give me Rude to win in straight sets at minus 125. And for my dog, I am going to go to the first match in Marikic between Evans and Baina, and I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take over two and a half sets at plus 140. Simply put, I think these guys are going to kill each other. I think it should be closer to plus 125, but Baina's had a couple of wars in this event. He's gone to three sets in each of his two full matches. Once again, he had one match in which there were only two games played, but Baina's had a lot of up and down performances where he's managed to sneak it out in the third set. I do think getting plus 140 here is a very good deal between two very solid players. And once again, it's minus 120 for Baina money line and even money for Evans money line. So you're expecting a war anyway. So give me the prolonged war at over two and a half sets at plus 140. So once again, the picks for the show, Locke is going to be rude, minus one and a half sets at minus 125. Dog's going to be Evans and Baina over two and a half sets at plus 140. That's going to wrap it up once again for the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on Saturday. Once again, not exactly sure what the schedule is going to be for the Houston tournament. I guarantee you we will be back for the finals in Marikic and Estoril. But once again, Houston might be a behind and they might have to play a couple of double day matches where you have one player playing multiple matches on the same day. That might happen. So it's going to be chaos in Houston, but keep an eye on that. We'll see if they catch up and then we'll go from there. But the point is we will have an episode tomorrow guaranteed for Estoril and for Marikic. But once again, until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.